0: Rock and Roll for Initiative is a naughty, filthy, occasionally horny podcast played by a group of lifelong best buddies. Viewer discretion, my friend, is advised.
1: thanks for tuning in to rock and roll for initiative a dungeons and dragons podcast where our weekend warrior band members get swept up in a world of blades beasts and rock and roll four episodes in thank you guys for listening and taking this journey with us all right four episodes in we're just rolling along uh, thank you to any listeners we have out there we appreciate you all of you, it means a lot. Uh, I'm sitting here with the players, the brain trust, the machine that is Breaking Wind. And I just gotta say, greatest band name of all time.
2: <laughs> I hate it, but we'll, we never thought anything better.
1: <laughs> My mic wasn't on. Oh, yeah. Welcome. Welcome. I got Andy, I got Nate, I got Kevin. I should clarify, uh, Kevin, we call him Biggs because he is large. So if you ever hear Biggs, we're referring to the beauty that is Kevin. That's me. All right, let's get going.
3: I'm Andy. I play grouchy old bassist Benedict McIntyre, all-around musician, and just cool guy. Benedict McIntyre's favorite chain restaurant is actually Bahama Breeze. Believe it or not, <laughs> absolutely. Every time it goes, best experience in the world. Doesn't know why. Doesn't care why. Best
1: Those experience. Beef patties, ever. man.
3: And uh, his fun fact today is he actually once worked as a carpenter
1: for a few years. Did he like it? No.
2: That's why he moved on.
1: Oh, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh,
2: I'm Nathan, and I play George Georgeson's, the band's drunken accordion slash synth player. <laughs> um, the fun fact about George is that uh, twice a week he goes uh, for a mani Petty. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, his favorite chain restaurant is very basic it's Olive Garden.
1: I mean, hey, listen, breadsticks. It's soup. It, yep. You know, I
4: will literally go to Olive Garden just for soup, salad, breadsticks. I'd go to Olive Garden
1: anytime. I have done some disgusting shit for their chicken nuggets. No
4: lie, where's the closest Olive (laughs) Garden?
5: Alright, hi, I'm Kevin. I am Biggs. I am both. And I play Gil Albright, number one shining star, uh, front man of the group. And fun fact about Gil is that he buys underwear at least three times a month. Cause he keeps losing
2: it. He just doesn't know where it's going. It just keeps disappearing. That's better than just he doesn't want to wash. It.
5: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He just doesn't know where it's going. I think this ties into. So he he buys new underwear each month. He he didn't wash his hair because he never learned to close his eyes. Like
5: no, no, he still washes his hair. He, uh, he uh, just we're we're like getting it. to learn that Gil is just a, a
1: dirty person. <laughs> I, I am just, I am learning so much with so little. Personal
2: hygiene is terrible for a stripper. Even. <laughs> not a stripper. He's just teaches
5: pole dancing. He teaches the strippers. Gil's, Gil's favorite chain restaurant is Raising Cane's. Just loves that chicken. What
1: the fuck is Raising it's, Cane's? It's in Ohio. It's, I've heard it's really good. It's a okay. chicken place. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if we haven't said before, we're a, we're a bunch of western Pennsylvania boys. So, uh, actually, uh, we are in the North Pole. Oh, uh, yeah.
5: None of us exist. We're ghosts. Do not find us. I'm Zach.
4: I play Crawford Mawson, the band's lead guitar player and country cockbag. Fun fact about Crawford Mawson is his political view is your political view.
2: <laughs> like like he changes it depending yeah, on who person he's talking to. Person. to. Yep. Okay. He, he, never, he can never argue yeah. about politics because yeah. he always agrees. He, yep. he swaps that mask like it's a fucking... <laughs> yep.
4: Howard Dean, baby,
2: <laughs> and uh,
4: piggyback off of off of you. He uh, his favorite restaurant chain is Bojangles for that chicken.
1: Gotta that you gotta man.
4: love that chicken, baby. Oh, Bojangles, dude. baby.
1: And uh, I am Roger. I am the the tour master for our Motley Band of Heroes. What do you say, guys? You ready to get started? Absolutely ready to rack. All right, guys. Well, then let's do this. This is episode four, Stone Crazy. So coming out of the shack, this short, dark-skinned man, his beard reaches down to his feet. He looks at you boys and says, I bet now will you boys be hungry. Quite, but also very confused. He glances over all of you with a, a steely, hard gaze. This guy looks old and weathered. Very, very. He, he knows a thing or two about a thing or two. He's seen some stuff. And with each step, you can almost hear like the creaking noise his bones are most certainly making as he waddles between the four of you. He gets in between the four of you and with a wave of his hand, slowly motions, Well, oh, come on in, boys. I've been making some breakfast.
4: Slow well, one second, sir. Uh,
2: George, would you like your clothes back? Sexy. Uh, yes, I. You know, I, with how small this man is, my penis is like directly in his face. <laughs> uh, I ain't nothing but a thing, boys. He's cooking sausage. George puts on his tidy whities and his suit coat. He, he, he takes a look at, at George's penis.
1: Yeehaw. He's intimidated. Okay, uh, looking at uh, George's hammer, you <laughs> you worry for a brief moment that your friends might really know what you're doing.
3: Oh my god. Benedict definitely notices, but does not judge. Sky seems pretty
2: inviting.
5: Yeah.
1: So, as you step into the shack, the warm, wafting scent of bacon being cooked fresh over a griddle immediately smacks you in the face. This shack is very small. As you walk in, you can see right away that it's about the size of you know, like a studio apartment at best. We're looking at a makeshift table in the center, a very low to the ground table uh, suited for this individual. You see that there is a, a fire pit uh, with some irons over it for cooking. You can see the bacon sizzling on the irons. There is a water pump in the corner uh, that is still dripping, looks as though it might have been recently been used. In the other corner, there is a bed, and right by the entrance, there is a bench built into the wall, and on that bench, there's several pieces of wood, tools, and measurement instruments. The, the short man, the short old man, goes over to the fire and begins taking some of the bacon off to put onto a plate. You notice he's grabbing the bacon by hand. In fact, his hand actually graces the uh, the hot irons, but he does not seem to react.
0: Oh, you boys coming funny times, I tell you. I look out and I see something in the air and the next thing I know, we got some fellas coming down the way. So, uh, what brings you here to the hymnal?
1: And he hands you each a plate of bacon. Gil takes the
5: bacon plate, takes a bite, and says, "Oh, we're uh, well, we we got separated from our friends, and we followed the train
1: tracks to here. Do do you know anything about those?" He uh he takes a drink from his uh, little clay cup. You can see the whatever liquid he's drinking, you know, dripping down his beard. He actually grabs his beard to pat his lips.
0: Those tracks haven't been run around here in quite some time. I fancied myself esteeming back in the day, but um, these old bones ain't what they used to be.
1: He uh, looks around at each of you, and he definitely notices that you're all looking at him in a sort of quizzical way. Uh, You've never seen an individual. It's not just his size, but his build in general doesn't seem quite normal. You, you boys
0: ain't from around here, are you? Well, it depends.
4: Uh, wh- where
0: is here? As I said, you, d- d- this is the hymnal.
4: The hymnal. The
0: hymnal.
4: I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I can't genuinely understand over your accent.
0: The hymnal. Thank you. Oh, you boys, you boys really have no idea what I'm saying, do you? Not at nah. all, no. Then let, let's do this another way. I, I, how about I get this fire going, I can see this one, and he points over to George, I can see this one is soaked from taking himself a little bath in my waterfall. No judgment, I was doing that about 20 minutes ago. Sorry. Why don't you warm yourselves by the fire, fill your bellies, and then we can talk. How about that? Sounds good. If you don't mind me, I'm gonna step outside, gather a few things that I'm gonna be needing. I see you got bags and lots of sorrows you carry with you. Don't you be
1: worrying, boys. You come through the right shed. And with that, he uh, steps out and shuts the door behind him, leaving you uh, alone in his shed. There is plentiful bacon to be had, and the fire is nice and toasty.
2: This is exactly what I needed to eat right now. George indulges. And uh, he's also going to take a whiff of the clay cup that the little man was drinking out of.
1: Uh, as you take a whiff of it, it it, it smells grainy. You, you recognize this to be a malt alcohol of some sort, a grained alcohol of some sort. However, there's no familiarity to it beyond that. Uh, I drink the cup. Uh, roll a fortitude. <laughs> That's a nat one. It is a very hearty punch to the throat. It is flavorful. It actually almost has a citrusy taste to it. You immediately feel a gurgling.
2: Ooh. Oh, my God.
1: Sorry.
5: Oh, that's it's gross.
2: I'll say this is surprisingly tasty, though. It smells like my date last night. <laughs> Who was your we, date last night? We played a concert last night. I'm Night before, guys. It's been a long day. It's been a that long is true. day.
4: Okay. We have
1: not slept in a while. The, uh, there's a creak as the door is thrown open. The short, worn man steps through, or trudges through, rather. You can see in his arms, he's got a whole bunch of different, uh, herbs and, you know, like, it kind of looks like he's just holding a bushel of grass, truth be told.
0: I thought I told you boys, make yourself comfortable. is well, you do what you want. I am going to whip up something to take care of some of those wounds. So if you give me a moment, boys, I'll whip this together. How's the bacon?
5: Real good. Hey, uh, by the way, man, thanks for letting us stay. What's your
0: name? I don't think we got that. Oh, well, we haven't quite gotten there. Now, you boy don't even know what the hymnal is now, do you? Uh, No, but I think
5: knowing who you are would be a good... First step.
0: Well, there's who I am, and there's who I used to be.
5: I have no idea what you're talking about, man. I just want your name, dude.
0: The name's Iron Rod. Iron Rod Toneman. Iron Rod Toneman? That's correct. Sweet. I fancied myself a steam man Hell, even fancied myself a blues man Back in the day But nobody got respect for the old ways anymore
5: Sorry to hear that Uh, The name's Gil Albright, by the way Gil, pleasure to meet you He He,
1: uh, shakes your hand And you are surprised by the immense strength Behind the grip Roll a strength In fact, everyone roll a strength In emotion (laughs) He gives gives each of you a, a firm handshake Gill got a 20, not a nat 20,
5: but
2: a 20. Uh, Crawford also got a 20, but not a nat. Uh, George got himself a
1: 17. Nine for Benedict. All of you are surprised by the amount of strength coming from the sinews of this man's thin arm. Benedict, you... Realize when he removes his hand and you see the indentation into your hand that you know that early well, I guess it's not early in your case, but arthritis might quickly be approaching. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you boys. Heinrod right, man at your at your disposal. So lay out your
0: woes, uh take a rest, have some food. I see you carry yourself some instruments. Do you fancy yourself? If you don't mind me asking, do you fancy yourselves music men?
4: Well, I certainly know my way around a guitar.
5: Oh, yeah, 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 we're a, uh, we're a band, actually. A band, you say? Whereabouts where you from, boys? You ever heard of Gary, Indiana?
0: No, I can say in all my, my travels all over the hills and dales, I've never heard of a settlement called Gary, Indiana. Well, that's probably for the best, honestly. What, uh, but, uh, what, what's the name of your band, boys? Maybe I've heard of you in the, in the, in the recordings. Our band's name? Breaking
2: Wind. We sound much better than a fart.
1: What do you mean? Nothing. Yeah. He, he quizzically turns his head a bit. Breaking Wind. Are you sure? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Not at all. No. You know, Gil, we hate to break your heart here, um... We all hate the band name. Mm.
0: It, we, do, do we blow his innocence here, boys? Yeah. If you're
1: gonna be doing any of that, make sure you wash your hands after. Jesus! With a gimme motion with his hand, he looks over towards Cromwell. Give me that guitar, boy. Crawford hands him his, uh, his guitar. And a business card. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even realize you slipped it into his palm. Good, good. Iron Rod Toneman looks over the mangled instrument. It is a
0: sad day when true beauty is destroyed, boys. You know, I could probably fix these up for you. I wouldn't mind to give me something to do. Back in the day, he motions over to the bench near the entrance. I was a bit of a tinkerer myself. I said I was a blues man, so I know, I know a thing or two about an instrument. I'd be happy to fix them up for you, boys. We'd really appreciate that. Yeah, that'd be great. Absolutely. But there's something I'm going to ask for in return. And it's no more difficult than a simple trip out to a shed.
2: How about I just give you this bottle of bourbon? No, thank you. (laughs) damn it. I didn't really want to give it up anyways. Okay, (laughs) if if one of us has to go into the shed with a guy...
0: Oh, no, 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 no. Listen hard boys, open up your ears and listen. As an old friend of mine, my mouth hop, seeing you all has inspired me. If I'm
1: going to be fixing up your instruments, all I'm going to ask and he, you see him, you see him reach, you see him reach into the the, the pocket of his trousers and pull out an old brass looking key. It says
0: This'll open all those locks. All I'm asking for you boys is to head on in there, grab me my mouth harp. When you come back, guarantee you all these instruments will be done in no time. However, boys, I can see you've had a day. I can see, I can
1: see you had a day. <laughs> He's looking at all of you, specifically at George.
0: Been a doozy.
4: Our Denny's wasn't even good. <laughs> they have Denny's in Gary, Indiana.
5: They D- do. They have Denny's here. <sighs>
0: Yes they do
1: Yes they do He wipes a single tear from his eyes Why don't you take a little bit of a rest
0: You go get the mouth hop You get your instruments And they might even be a little bit better Than when you held them last Well, oh, yeah cause they're broken
4: The last time I held them Boy Bless you I get that a lot sir I get that a lot
1: And with that, he uh, takes hold of your instrument, sets him over on his bench.
0: You boys are free to take a little nap, take a rest, take whatever time you need. When you feel them ready, if you wouldn't mind grabbing me my mouthpiece. Now that old cave ain't too dangerous, none. Save for the cistern. I don't know if y'all sell the well out front. Well's been out of use for some time. I've kept the rest of it clear. I'd recommend you stay out of the cistern. You should have no reason to go in there. Get the mouth up. Get your instruments. Maybe we can have a little, um, little playing time. Ooh, a nice little jam session.
4: Hey! That's what I like That's, That's exactly what I,
0: like. what I was thinking boys You see I told you I fancy myself a blues man In a day and age And if this is your first time Meeting somebody from the hymnal We best be having ourselves around rounded dow
5: Hey thanks Iron Rod Really appreciate all your help
0: oh, Boys if there's one thing Us hymnal men can't abide It is somebody turning their back On a fellow musician Sadly, in the days and the population of the hymnal has been in decline for recent memory. And he stares off
1: wistfully at the wall.
0: Right on, man. Sir? I'm sorry about that, boys. There's an old man reminiscing here. I apologize. I hope that was enough to fill your bellies, boys. As I said, please take yourselves a rest. Take whatever time you need. When you go to get the mouth hop... I'll repair those instruments, I do swear. You got any, uh, got anything we could use to defend ourselves if we need to in there? Well, as I told you, so long as you stay outside the cistern, there should be no trouble. But in the first room there, I, I use that space almost like a shed. Yeah. In the first room there, you'd find yourself some equipment that would protect you from whatever you might potentially encounter. All I ask is that uh, when you're done, you place them back. That sounds reasonable enough. Being that you're strangers in a strange land, I assume you have questions. Yes.
1: Ask away, boys. He sits down um at the stool near a small table. He pulls out a small piece of wood and begins whittling it. George asks for a, a cup of his alcohol, whatever that was. Mmm, no,
0: so That is... I, I, looking at all you boys, I, I don't know how it is in Gary and Dan. I assume you're all, um... You're menfolk. Yes. Yeah. Human. Yeah. yeah you, you don't want to be tasting any of this. This is specifically uh, an old family recipe... Um, I do believe that if you were to be drinking too much of this, you might meet yourself an unfortunate and a messy one. Can can we trade? Like, you have some
2: of my family recipe, I have some of your family recipe.
0: Son, I I don't think you understand what I'm saying. This beverage will end your life. I've already tasted it. And I could smell the result.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So, humans can't drink this? Is that what you said? Well,
0: that's right. Are you implying you're not human? Well, oh dear, we got a long way to go. Boys, look at me. What do I look like? A midget? You look like a very short man.
5: Have none of you ever read Lord of the Rings? I've never seen it. Yeah, obviously I know about Lord of the Rings, but... I mean,
3: I think he de- fits the description pardon me if i'm incorrect here sir of a dwarf
2: whoa like that's extremely offensive
0: no that that is that is correct we've got my people are many names but uh dwarf is indeed a common usage i personally refer to myself uh as an earthen one it's an old old title but yes uh I suppose to the untrained eye or to you fellas a dwarf, calling me a dwarf would do. I am Iron Rod Tone Man, the dwarf.
2: We sidebar from the dwarf right now. I say sidebar, and we go to the other end of the shack. Would you mind if my associates and I spoken confidence. Basically.
0: Oh, certainly not, certainly not. I'll just get back to my whittling.
2: I think this guy's insane. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, he's a
3: blues man. I think I can trust him.
5: He's I mean, been... Yeah. He
3: fed us.
4: I, that's trustworthy. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i am still so confused with... He, with, he, ha- he hasn't tried to, uh...
5: <clears throat> y- you know... Uh, yet. Yeah, he hasn't tried to kill us, but like... He's saying he's a dwarf, like, and not in the, uh, not in the, oh, I'm just a short guy, haha, ha, making a dwarf because Lord of the Rings. He's a- he's a and you saying, like, I'm over here, Mari.
3: Gil, is this, is this the first thing that's confused you about today? Uh, there's, there's a laundry list of things. This but is arguably the most sane thing that's happened. I think this is just the straw that
5: broke Wait, the Wait, I would stack. argue the
4: most sane thing that's happened is that they have Denny's here.
5: That that cave he wants us to go into. Why is it chained up? Why is it just not just locked? Is there something down there? Like what's I, in the cistern? I'm so confused. I think that's where we should start. Do you have a better plan? Uh, no. He said he would. He said he would give
4: us protection. Uh, 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 lead us into his dungeon. A plan isn't the problem. I just touch to, us. Uh, there's just so many oh. questions and not enough answers right now. Okay,
2: so he's either it's either a sex dungeon and the protection is. But common. why would he arm us? If he's trying to us, uh, this
4: guy, uh, how is, how is, uh, I would like, Crawford would like to, to look over his shoulder
1: and see how our uh, compadre is uh, reacting to this. Iron Rod Toneman is not even looking in your direction. He seems to be whittling um, a small dolphin out of the piece of wood. You're actually very amazed at how much progress he's made in the last, you know, minute. Shit,
3: mm. oh, that guy is
4: fast. All right, cool. All Didn't right. hear us. Cool. Listen,
3: we
1: needed food. He gave us food.
3: Yeah. I want my bass repaired. I love that bass. I, yeah, no, I want my guitar repaired. We should repair. see if we can get George some pants. Yeah, but
2: look at them. They won't yeah. fit me.
3: No, he, I don't know. Look at him. He just whittled a dolphin in like two seconds. He could probably sew you a pair of pants in like 20
1: minutes. Hey, it's been established that I can sew you a pair of pants in about three four weeks Iron Rod Toneman <laughs> sticks his hand in the center of your group and he's holding a pair of trousers
0: <laughs> <laughs> now boys that should be
1: your size
2: I I don't trust these pants right now Save pants I'll put them on later I think we should rest up do what he asks because we got nothing better he did give us free we could just wander
3: the woods again but I don't know how that's going to get us anywhere and I've stayed in worse places. I don't know. I've stayed under bridges in LA before. I don't know if any of you have done that. Probably not. Never.
2: My wife is really rich.
3: Thank you for reminding us once again, George. I've been to all fifty states. Uh-huh. Name ten. I think I think we rest up right now. We're beat up. We're broken. Instruments are broken. That's part of me. And then I think we do what he says for now. I how bad can a shed be?
5: No, I, I I agree. I like I said, I'm just there's a lot of questions, and there's going to be a lot of answers that we need to find. No,
3: let's go ask him for some answers. All right. He's a smart old guy. I trust smart old jazz guys.
1: As you turn around, you see that not only has he finished whittling the dolphin, he's whittled two more in that time, and is currently whittling right now a narwhal. Uh,
0: Mr. Mr. Iron Rod? You can just call me Mr. Toneman Ironrod Iron Rod is the name given to me by my mother. That is a captivating narwhal. Thank you, boys. It's always been a dream of mine to see one in person.
4: You know, it's something we share in common. I wholeheartedly trust this man.
0: So, boys, now that you've had your little group hootie-doo, I imagine you do have some questions for me. Do, are, are, do you? Have you? Have you ever heard of a, a woman named Kitty? No, I cannot say I've ever met a. you said it was a woman. Oh yeah. And I assume also a human like yourselves.
4: Uh yeah, some human.
0: Hum human, human Gary? Never uh, never met a a human woman named Kitty.
5: Alright, hey I appreciate it. Uh M- Mr. Toneman, hmm Have you ever heard of the Wraith Child?
1: When you say this, his eyes kind of like go up and he gives you a little eyebrow like, Oh, the sort of look. Oh,
0: yes, I know about the Wraith Child. <laughs> More like the man child that he is. <laughs> uh, you, you boy haven't had a run in with the Wraith Child now, have you? Uh, no. Roll a bluff. <laughs> <laughs> that is a 14. <laughs> well... Seeing as you're asking about him, he, he's, he's a harmless individual. I mean no ill will toward him. It's just it's just that leather get up. I can't get behind all the, the leather and chains of him. He uh he's he's pretty well known in these here parts. And here in the hymnal we are aware of the Wraith Child. What, do, what, what, like, what's his deal? Like, assume, If you are uh, unfamiliar with the hymnal, I'm going to assume you're also unfamiliar with the Tone Lands.
3: Yeah. I think you can just assume we're unfamiliar with 90% of it.
0: I'm not going to give you the whole spiel. There are books you can read on the subject. I don't know... Well, I know whence you came as Gary Indiana. I don't know exactly where Gary Indiana is located. But you boys have found yourself smack dab in the middle of the hymnal. This is uh, my forest. I'm the keeper of the hymnal. Uh, there are many others like myself, not as many as there used to be. You go north of the hymnal, you find yourself in the other tone lands. There's regions just like anywhere else. They got mountains, we got hills. But the tone lands all have their own distinct peoples and cultures. And they've drifted away from what we strove for years ago here in the hymnal. The Wraith Child has been attempting to bring people back to the Sound. But I think he too has gone too far from the Sound whence he came. Got it. So, the reason we're here
5: in the first place is we were in... Anna Denny's in Gary And these guys in 70s suits came out The the
2: Funky
0: Boys? The Funk Guys? Don't tell me you had a run-in with
2: the Boogie Boys The Boogie Boys Run-in with them? We killed a we, bunch
5: yeah, of them Yeah
2: I, I, I Killed some killed men some We, we
5: may have committed murder Oh,
0: ain't no sin, son Ain't no sin Not, not in these parts, not around here Listen, boys I have to take a moment to think about where I'm going to begin explaining all this to you. You are evidently from very, very far. This is going to very much go over your heads if I don't give it the right sense of credibility. When you come back for your instruments, I will start from the beginning. How's that? That sounds good good to me. Yeah, well... And I heard you talking over there. I'm not going to lead you into my cliff face to do unspeakable things to your bottoms of bodily functions. That is not on the Tone Man's agenda.
2: Well, at least we can scratch that off the list. Yeah, like, trustworthy guy. You guys, if you guys trust him, if Benedict trusts him, I think we're in the clear, to be honest. Benedict's our moral guide. (laughs)
5: All right, well, Mr. Toman, it sounds like we have a plan then. We'll uh, take a rest. Very good.
1: Hey, there, Billy Cauliflower, with breaking news for the Gary Beat here. An apparent fire in downtown Gary. The twist, it's at a Denny's that nobody has ever seen before. I'm a little bit stumped on this one. Let's go down to our action cam number seven there for the word on the street. Thank you, Billy. This is Abraham Froman here, downtown in front of an apparent fire at a Denny's that seemed to pop up overnight. Authorities are attempting to combat the blaze, as far these efforts have been unsuccessful. Uh, Word on the street here is that confusion and panic have set in. Now, looking at this building here, you may notice, in fact, that the trademark Danny's colors are nowhere to be found. Frankly, Billy, I'm stumped. The community's stumped. This is a devastating blow for Gary, Indiana, and its populace. Oh, Oh, hold on. It seems... It, it, it seems that we have a, uh... Yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, Billy Cauliflower. It seems that we have an interview with somebody live on the scene. Somebody who saw the blaze break out. Uh, sir, please, do you have any information to offer about this Denny's, this fire? Is there anyone in there? We're a little bit nervous, you see. <laughs> well,
0: Abraham, Welcome. let me tell you all about it. There ain't much to explore. As I said, I use it more like a shed. What you're gonna need to get is my mouth harp. I keep it in the third room behind the door. You go to the room. You turn the crank that open the door. It's a very precious instrument. I like to keep it safe. You bring it back here, and what's done is done. Just please, boys, stay out of the cistern unless... You damn well need a reason to go in there. I told you it's been a while since I cleared that old well out. I'm not quite sure what, what might be hipping and hopping down there. Okay, so we got to turn your crank to get your mouth harping.
5: Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> All
3: right. Sweet. You got to get going, get, get this done.
1: You can see from the window uh, that the sun has gone down. Almost fully indicating it's it's evening now. You know you, there, there's an orange hue illuminating everything. You see that uh, Iron Rod Toneman has set the table for you. On each plate there seems to be a small piece of chicken, maybe some sort of white meat, and uh, piece of bread. Yeah. Fill your bellies, boys. Have a
0: drink and let's let's get this going done. <laughs> it's no angles, but. It certainly will do.
2: Have George, is your shirt dried out yet? Probably, yeah. Actually, I-, I should go investigate that. Iron Rod hands you the shirt already. He says, here you go, starched, folded, and flavored. I uh, might as well just
0: get dressed again and get ready for this adventure. Now, boys, just in case you do for some reason decide to go in that cistern, and just in case you so happen to encounter something, I whipped this up special for you boys. Should be enough in there for two doses. Now, I'm not saying that this is going to be a life-saving tincture, but you you face some danger, you come out a little bloodied and bruised, this should take care of what ails you. I get tinctures at the dispensary. Aww. And I'm a Mormon. Now
2: that makes no sense at
0: all.
1: After you eat, he opens the door for you and says, And boys, thank you again for
0: doing this. I know... I know you're probably wondering why I can't go get it myself, and I wish I could give you a better explanation. Other than you, you will see when you return.
5: Right on. I'll lead. I'll start. I have the key. May as well. S- sounds good. I got your back as always. I, I guess I will follow oh. Craw.
0: Son, I can tell something ails you, so I just want you to know that your chicken had a little extra flavor in it, if you know what I mean. Semen. God damn it, son. I put a little bit of my drink That's in there so, like so that you don't have to face yourself with the terrifying realization of being sober.
3: He really understands you. <laughs>
1: Okay, so you guys uh, step out into his little clearing um, with the amber rays of sunlight creeping through uh, the canopy. It's pretty It's pretty p- peaceful, pretty serene. He waddles over to the edge of his shed where you can see a large iron crank wheel. He slaps the wheel, and the waterfall drips to a stop.
0: Uh, there's a little, little uh, dam I built up there on the cliff face a couple years back. I got tired of going into my shed and coming out back a sopping mess every time. Like I said, boys, you get the mouth hop and do take care. Candy. All right, let's roll. Gil uh, walks
5: up to the door takes the key off his his carabiner and uh, unlocks.
1: The iron door is yours to open.
5: Gil, is it, does it swing open? Do I hit myself in the face? It between? lifts open. Oh, from okay. The ground up. All right. Well, then
0: I will. Uh, I like to think of that as my morning exercise <laughs> sometimes.
1: Okay. Gil uh, lifts up the door. Roll a strength. Is a nine? <laughs> Gil gets over and he puts his fingers on the. There are two small handles on the bottom, and you can't get this off it's the ground. It's just too wet. I keep. No, no, no. No, it's too, too heavy. Uh, I go help him. All right. See if you can support him.
0: Uh, it's, uh,
1: 20, not a nat though. You were able to lift it about three feet up with the two of you. <laughs> I apologize, boys. I,
0: I, I forget that y- you are humans. Uh, I built this door
1: and it, like myself, is, you know, quite sturdy. Uh, he reaches down with one hand and lifts it up like somebody lifts a blind.
0: I'll tell you what, boys. I'm gonna go work on the instruments now. When I let go of this, it's gonna, it's gonna shut. When you get my mouth hot, you just blare a note, and I'll know to come open it. You can try opening it yourselves. You, you two did a pretty fine job there, but you might, you might just want a signal from me. All right, boys. Okay, we'll do. I'm a little intimidated. Thanks, now, Iron man. Rod. <laughs> He says, oh, one last thing, boys. Right on the left there, you'll find my workbench. Uh, There are some some tools there. Use them as you wish, as well as some oil lanterns. All you need to do is flick
1: it. And as you step in, you step into the darkness. Uh, You are immediately met with a smell of moisture and kind of sawdust. It smells almost like an old workshop, an old wet workshop. It is pitch black. The door shuts behind you. And you stand in the darkness. Oh no, oh, no, oh, no, no, oh, no. Gil pulls out his phone, turns on the flashlight. As you turn on your flashlight, you get a sense of the room. This room is longer than it is wide. Width-wise, we're looking at a room that's maybe 20, 30 feet. Nothing too wide. Length-wise, it seems to go back into the cliff probably a good 60 feet. But what stands out before you even see the tools is there are five statues lined up in this room. Three on the left side, two on the right side. and to your left is indeed the tool bench there are four oil lanterns sitting on the tool bench as well as a bevy of tools we're talking hatchets, pitchfork, and a knife Gil's gonna grab the pitchfork and one of the oil lamps and then uh, go check out those statues do you turn the oil lamp on? yes alright with one click it quickly lights up Illuminating the room pretty well. This is a this is a bright lamp. This almost looks like a miner's lamp.
2: Georgie's picking up a hatchet, and uh, also he's gonna take his little lantern. I'd love to be a hatchet man, so I think I'll take uh take one of those. Uh yeah, Benedict, will take the knife. You know, attached to his belt, and take an old lantern.
1: So with the four of these, this room, you know, the darkness is illuminated. Other than the statues, you can see at the far end of the room, the furthest end of the room, there is a door, a wooden door. There is also in the on the left wall past the last statue there is an iron door and george george wants to go uh scope out these
2: statues so i'm gonna roll a perception on these it's a 10 on mine yeah all of you go ahead
1: 11 7 for gil
2: 12 for benedict
1: these uh these statues are made of cast bronze they're they're very solid they look old they're a little worn uh you know moisture has damaged them over time but you're able to make out the plaques at the base of each The first plaque, first statue on the left reads Lead Belly. The second statue on the left reads Sun House. The third statue on the left reads Muddy Waters. First statue on the right reads Bessie Smith. And the last statue on the right. At the furthest end, reads Robert Johnson. So are all of
2: these names, then legends, legendary blues musicians. Well, how about you and Craw explain it to the rest of us then? I mean, yeah, I don't know if there's much more to explain. Are legendary. Well, the thing is,
3: there are legendary
2: blues musicians in in in, in our, our world,
3: world, for for lack of a better term, at this point. Yeah. That had these names. Never heard of them. That does not surprise me. No, not at all. So then, how are they known here? Are these are these statues normal sized or are they dwarf sized?
1: These statues are I, actually they're. It's hard to tell because they're about eight feet tall. Can we tell the scale though? Uh, so they 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 look human. They they okay. look uh, to you, Benedict. The they look exactly as they should. Each one also having their respective instrument, whether it's an acoustic or an electric guitar. In the case of Bessie Smith, you know she's in a singing pose. You do notice something, though, Benedict. In fact, you're the only one who notices this. Robert Johnson, the furthest statue down on the right, his pose looks like he should be holding his guitar, but there's no guitar there. That one's funny, though. Why doesn't Robert Johnson have
3: an
2: instrument? I... Uh, which one? Okay, I guess that's the one the one The one without instrument. the instrument. Yeah I, <laughs> yeah, I was walking myself through it. The one <laughs> without the instrument who's also not clearly singing.
1: For those of you who don't know, Robert Johnson is basically the granddaddy of all guitar players. That old classic story of, you know, selling your soul to the devil for blues, like blues guitar playing ability, that, that's his.
5: Well, if it's missing
2: his guitar, maybe it's around here somewhere. I'm going to do a perception to see if I can see a guitar anywhere, at least in this room.
1: Uh, Nat 20. Between the two of you, look in the room high and low. And again, it's not a huge room. You do not see uh, a bronze cast guitar anywhere. Uh, You you see like some some grained goods. You see some what look to be like different foods that might be pickling in jars. Um, You do see sawdust all over the ground. And indeed, there is a workbench in between two of the statues. Um, Looks like it's been used recently Some wood's been cut on it uh, Shaped into who knows what What you also notice is that the ceiling of this Has been reinforced So this room, uh, the walls and the floor Are carved out of the stone Of this cliff Uh, The ceiling has some wooden support beams Running the width And the length of it
5: How how big is your uh, pitchfork there? about like five, six feet. I don't know. I don't know if there's
1: much more we can do in this room. George is going to go check that wooden door. Gil's going to check the iron door. The wooden door swings. uh, As you press, you know, weight against it, you can tell it's on a swivel. Um, Looking inside, just kind of peering inside, you see what looks to be another small room. There's already a lantern on in this room, so it is not dark. Anymore, you'd have to fully open the door. Gil, when you uh, look at the iron door, you see that there is a, a key needed. Uh, there's a very big, old-looking lock preventing the door from being open. It also swings open. Um, you also get near the iron door and you can smell wet earth and you can smell stagnant water from wherever that leads and you hear something skitter in the distance.
5: Guys, I think this might be the door to the sister, and that he was telling us to
2: not go into. Okay, That's well, let's not go in there. That, then. Yeah. All right, well, let's check out this room over here that looks very inviting. I hold it open for Gil to go first.
5: <laughs> Gil uh, proudly puffs his chest. I was like, "I'll go." He starts walking into the
1: walking into the door. I'm behind you, brother. Stepping into the room, Gil and Craw, uh, you're immediately greeted with uh, sawdust in the nostrils. You see sawdust all over the floor here. You you actually can't see just the straight stone of the floor because it is caked in sawdust. And that makes sense when you see at the far end of the room, and this room is about the same size dimension-wise as the last one you are in. At the far end, uh, there is a a pedal-powered wood saw for cutting large logs. There's also a table at the far end, and you can see the far right end, there are some iron bars that look as though they're separating from another room. Guys, watch your step. There's sawdust everywhere.
5: Don't want to fall. Don't want to set it on fire. Good
4: point. That is a solid I mean,
2: yeah, that's a solid point. George is as careful as can be.
1: Gil will check out the iron bars. Okay, I want you, Gil, to roll a reflex as you're trotting through the sawdust. Very quickly, you hear a quick ping. That's a 10. You feel a sharp surge of pain. Gil, as a bear trap underneath the sawdust, comes up and clamps around your left ankle. (laughs) You're going to take one damage. This is a rusted bear trap. It looks as though it hasn't been used in quite some time. Yeah, you (laughs) might. (laughs) (laughs) Tetanus. Uh. And you're thankful that it didn't clamp the whole way shut.
4: Oh my god, Gil, are you all right?
1: Yeah, I should be good. You're in a fucking bear trap. Uh, uh, These things happen you are able to, with just a little bit of force, pry it down. In fact, when you do so, the iron teeth of the bear trap actually break off. All
3: right, so keep an eye out for... For bear traps under the sawdust. Misplaced appliances, if you will.
4: Uh, Craw- Crawford Ma would like to uh, carefully
1: make his way to the saw. So I, I assume you're like shuffling your feet almost? Yeah. All right, so as you make your way through the sawdust, you encounter no other bear traps but you do hear a faint noise of something swaying overhead.
5: (laughs) No. I relay
1: that information while simultaneously looking up. When you look up uh, and you shine your lantern up there, you see that there are dozens of bear traps hanging from the ceiling, almost like storage.
2: That's not where I would store my bear traps, not going to lie to you. Are they open or closed bear traps? They're open. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. Let me store my open bear traps. I move
4: out of... Uh, are they lining the entire the, the ceiling? The entire is?
1: ceiling oh, and the entire God. room.
4: Touching the entire room. Okay.
1: In fact, you can see the spot where the one that Gil stepped in had fallen from. There is a, a rusted chain that is broken, just swaying and play, back and forth. Benedict backs up and stands in the doorway.
2: Uh, I guess
4: r- roll a perception on the uh, saw blade I was investigating. That is uh, 19.
1: Looking at the saw, you see that it is pedal-operated, so you sit on it almost like a bike, and that will feed the log across through the blade. It looks as though it's been used recently. In fact, you can actually smell the lo- the log that was last split on it. This looks like it gets quite a bit of use.
2: Well, this just looks like a normal saw. Looks like he's just out here doing his jab here. George is going to shimmy on past the-, the bear trap that fell to get closer to those
1: iron doors. Or iron bars, I mean. And uh, peer through them. You can see, uh, peering through, this is a very small room. It almost looks like a closet. Uh, there is a lantern that is lit, illuminating this small closet. And there is a, uh, pedestal. And on that pedestal is a bronze guitar. Oh, okay. Oh. Huh. So we gotta get these bars open. Which you might find strange, because this is where he specifically told you that mouth harp would be.
5: Maybe he got it wrong? He
1: said it's been a while since he's been in there, right?
4: Yeah, he did say that, but, I mean, maybe maybe it's behind it?
1: George, you also see right next to the iron bars, there is a metal rod sticking out of the wall, uh, and you can see that it's on a gear attached to the wall. Like a lever? Uh, it al- it almost looks like something that you would spin with, like, a, like a shaft or a crank.
2: He did say we had to turn a crank. We had to crank his knob. True. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, th- we... So how do, how do we crank that thing?
1: Oh no, we've become Resident Evil. Yes. That was literally what <laughs> I We was need thinking. to find the crank. Okay. Maybe we make a handle.
3: I mean, it, it, are there any handles on the workshop table that we can just see? Yeah. No, uh
1: on the workshop table, uh it looks as though he's been making uh wood reinforcers. However, there are several satchels on the table. Sorry. Yeah, we can both look start looking at the satchels. It out,
5: yeah. As as am walking uh, as Gil's walking over, he's using his pitchfork to uh to to just clear the sawdust.
1: <laughs> on the workshop table, there's a couple satchels filled with different ball bearings and the like. There's some woodworking tools. You do see um, a small wrought iron key hanging on the edge of the work table. Looking at the key, it's very, very old. You can tell it's very old. It's not bronze, not brass. It's, it's iron. And it, uh, it smells like rust. And it, it also smells a little damp. Do you guys think this key might go to
2: those... To, to that door we passed earlier. More likely than not, More than yeah. likely, yes, but isn't that the place we're not supposed to go? You know what I just realized? So he said the way
3: to get out of here is to play him a note on the mouth harp.
5: If we don't get the mouth harp, we
2: can't leave. Well, we can try to lift the door. I'm sure all four of us might be able to get through. Maybe. I mean, that's a possibility, but uh, I, I say we just uh, trudge on ahead, see if that key fits that door, and if it does, we continue on. Unless you see a crank around here, well, the only other thing that, that uh, George can think of is trying to tear down some of those chains that the bear traps are on and looping it around that crank over there, trying to pull it that way. But listen, I already stepped on one. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to do do anything else with those bear traps. Yeah, that traps. sounds dangerous. Oh, <laughs> uh, what? Well,
4: what's wrong, Carl? I, I twisted and standing and up. I twisted the wrong way. You know. I'm just pulled something working out. Oh,
5: man, that sucks.
4: Ah, it's quad day the other day and, oh, I
5: can't really. Oh, here, here, let me help you out with that. Gil, uh, starts showing him some, uh, some stretches to help.
2: Oh, thanks for stretching me out, buddy. Let's take the key and try it out on that door.
1: Alright. Yeah. As you walk back into the entry room with the statues, uh, your lights illuminate very quickly, only for a brief second. There is a muddy hand reaching out on the floor between the bars of the iron door, and as soon as your light touches it, the hand quickly drags sloppily back into the darkness.
5: That was terrifying. Didn't. Did. Let's just keep going. Yep. <coughs> yep. <laughs> hold, hold your lights high, boys. And low.
1: You see that this key does indeed fit this lock. Do you open the door? Uh, begrudgingly so, but yes. It opens towards you, and uh, you see this is a tunnel, and it is a limestone tunnel. You can smell what Gil smelled earlier, uh, wet earth, kind of stagnant water. It's its a nasty sort of smell. Like almost mold. Yeah, and uh, you, you can hear a dripping noise somewhere from off. Down in the tunnel, the tunnel kind of snakes off to the right, so it's a it's a windy one. Benedict takes out his knife. Cromaw is going to get out his hatchet.
2: I hold my lamp high,
1: hatchet in in the right hand for George. Now this is a narrow this is narrow tunnel. Uh, you're basically going to have to go single file. So starting with who's in front to who's in back. Gills in think front. Gil's in f- I'll go behind but Gil.
2: Cromaw
4: will take the back. Benedict, I, I I'd say penultimate's probably good for you.
1: All right, yeah. You're on a downward slope. As you move through the winds, uh, it seems to almost get narrower and narrower. When it started out, you could kind of move your arms, but now, if something were to happen in here, there's no way you're swinging a weapon. It's, 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 very, it's very tight. And the further down you go, the stronger the smell of the earth and the decay gets. The dripping gets louder. After about, we'll say, like, five minutes, really, of kind of trudging through this wet tunnel, uh, you see that there is another iron door in front of you.
5: Gil pulls out his key, tries to you know, use it on the door again.
1: When you place the key into the iron door, you turn it. It does indeed open, but it, it, it bends in your hand. Uh, the, the The metal is so worn, it, it, the force of you just opening it is enough to bend it. Oh. So, uh, as you step into the cistern, you're now, you know, ankle deep in stagnant water, in in nasty water, um, there's no light overhead, in fact, looking up, and this is very tall, you're probably, you know, at least 60 feet below the ground, um, looking up, you can see with your uh, your lanterns where he had boarded uh, the well open and reinforced it as well with some iron plates. In the center of the cistern, in a pile of muck, you can see sticking out of the muck a crankshaft. I think we found our crankshaft, guys.
2: Uh, I would say that we definitely did find it, but um, I don't know, this room's giving me the heebie-jeebies.
1: It's just mud and decay and wet earth.
2: So Gil, do you want to go grab that and then we book it out of here? I have absolute faith, and we got your back. From over here. You are the light. Gives a a shaky
5: thumbs up, and he starts walking towards the... Once
1: you get with about five or ten feet of the crankshaft, you hear a squelching noise as the shaft is pulled down by something into the muck. Oh! The pile of muck bursts open, almost. uh, Splattering you and everyone in this room and the walls of the room with mud. And you hear a raspy breathing from beneath your feet. Two sets... Of arms, muddy arms, reach out of the muck and begin to pull themselves up, revealing muddy, elongated, disfigured bodies. Roll your initiative.
5: Ten. Ten. Also ten. I got a seven.
1: Ooh, okay. Nate? Four. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a good initiative. That's my worst, <laughs> by far. Right? The situation is, you ha- you have these mud men pulling themselves up out of the muck of the earth. You can see that uh, where you would assume their mouths would be are rows of serrated, sharp teeth. Oh, God. Oh. These things stand at about six feet tall. Their, their arms are very long, almost reaching down to their ankles, and they kind of move by slithering through the muck. Like, they kind of lean and they just flow through the muck. One has appeared directly in front of you, Gil. The other is right by the entrance. Now, I should say that this room is a- it's, It's a round cistern, about 40 feet big, so you do have some maneuverability. The first one that comes up out of the muck looks directly at you, Gil. And from about 10 feet away, it stretches its arms out to try and grab towards you. What is that touch, AC? 13. So uh, he grips his hands onto your shoulders and pulls you directly to him. And with that, he goes to take a bite out of your soft, warm flesh. Hmm. He deals four damage. You feel the sharp, it almost feels like sharp serrated rocks, bite into your shoulder blade. (laughs) I make the same noise, but in pain. All right, and that brings us first to you, Crawford Mawson. You are now seeing something you have never seen. Strange, muddied creatures rising out of the ground. One just took a bite straight out of your buddy Gill's shoulder blades.
4: Whoa, well, what the fuck did I get myself into? I want to look around for the closest one to me.
1: Ten feet away to your left. I
4: think I'm just going to shine my light towards the one that's kind of away from me and kind of...
1: Th- kind of threaten at it, like love reserve an attack, but kind of just, yeah. As you lift your light, you actually see it raises hands to cover its face. Yeah. Now it doesn't have eyes, but you see it kind of shri- it, it shrinks back from that, and you see that it, the mud stops dripping so much. In fact, it actually starts to move a little slower.
4: They don't like the light. They don't like the light. We remember that. We remember that. We relay that to the group, and then uh,
1: walk, like almost backwards towards Gil. Alright, you notice that uh, as soon as you get about five feet away, the light you were shining stops having the same effect and the creature resumes dripping and hissing and looking at the the entryway. at George and Benedict. Alright,
3: best defense, good offense. <laughs> I look at George. I got this. I unhook the lamp from my belt so I can have it in my hand so I can use it. Knife in another hand. And I go towards the one that is closest to the door.
1: All right. So as you approach it, do you raise the light? Yeah. All right. Uh, as you raise the light, it does indeed shrink back. So that was about 15 feet. You had to walk there. It does shrink back, and you see that it gets a little bit less uh, juicy. I'm gonna make an attack on it. I'm take a swipe. Tight- where are you swiping? Head for slash with the knife. That is a five. As you go to swing the knife, you do make contact with it, but in the motion of the swing, you kind of took the light off of the mud and it went back to being its sort of gelatinous composition, and you, you basically just cut through wet mud. It doesn't- you can tell that it has no effect whatsoever. And in response, it lifts both of its arms up, and it tries to bring them down on you almost like a big hammer. Hit. Uh, it brings both of its arms down on you with a wet slopping force, which drives you face first into the mud. So you are now prone, face down in this nasty muck, taking four damage.
3: Gurgling noises are coming from
1: Benedict. <laughs> <laughs> and now we are over to you, Gil, after having your uh, your, your shoulder bit and splintered and torn.
5: Gil, I'm coming. I'm coming, buddy. Gil's going to take his pitchfork and uh, stab up at the, uh, the arms grabbing him.
1: Okay, that is a 16. <laughs> okay, you make contact. Uh, so you drive the pitchfork up into the arms. You're not quite sure if it... It didn't seem to react in sort of a damaging way, but it does break contact with you and slink back a little bit. It stops chewing and looks at where you stabbed. You can see the hole in the mud where you stabbed fill back in. Okay, so I'm in the middle of the room. Correct. And Craw's behind me. Correct.
5: Alright, Gil taking stock of this situation, she's gonna look around and decide uh, Benedict needs some help. So he's gonna start heading towards Benedict.
1: Okay, so you move over towards Benedict. You can move there and still do something. Oh, okay. It, it, it's only about 20, Okay,
5: and, and then I'll uh, attack the, the, the mud man, whatever,
1: with the pitchfork. That is a 19. A 19? Okay, in that case, even without the light, as you drive, where are you driving the pitchfork towards? Gonna go straight for its torso right for its center of mass. All right to right as it you get its center of mass, it actually reacts to this one. That's eight damage. Eight damage. All right, so as you pull the pitchfork back out, you actually see on the prongs of the pitchfork... There are some clumps of black earth that are pulsating, almost like a heart. And it it grabs towards its chest and stumbles back a little bit, and it has shrunk in size. It's now about four feet tall as it gurgles and squelches. Continued gurgling noises from Benedict. (laughs)
2: Uh, Okay, so the the one that he just stabbed, is there like a hole in its chest or anything? Yeah,
1: not a big gaping hole, but you can kind of see through.
2: Okay, uh, George is going to run at it and attempt to shove his lantern in the opening
1: that he can see. Oh, okay. One. One, A nat one? Yeah. You leave my old man alone! Immediately uh, after you saying you leave my old man alone, you slip in the muck (laughs) and fall onto your lantern, which lights you aflame. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> the oil of the lantern, never mind the shards of the glass, the oil of the lantern is all over your torso, and you are on fire. And even as you roll, like, in the muck, you're on... you're aflame. It's crackling like a log! Okay, and, uh, we're back to the beginning of the round. The one that had, uh, taken a chunk at a gill begins slithering its Stunf way from fire. the center, specifically. After you. He's after you, Gil. He's after you. He
5: loves me. He, he really wants does. You. He wants you.
1: When he gets within about 15 feet, he scoops up some of this nasty earth quickly and with surprising force and an elongated arm, whips it in your direction. That is a hit. Uh, when this wet earth hits you, it feels as solid as rock. But. How close is the closest one to me now? Both of them are in kind of the same general area near the entryway now, so about 10-15 feet.
4: I think I'll probably just run towards whichever one is closer with my light out and uh, attempt to make a hatchet swing.
1: As soon as you put the light on it and you get close, you see it kind of react. Yeah. It has its back to you, but it shrivels itself forward. Take a swing! 13. That is a hit. Then seven. You crash this hatchet into the back of this thing. It, uh, it hisses, makes a wet gurgling noise, and it shrinks down in size to about four feet before turning to face you, Benedict.
3: All right. Well, since I'm currently drowning in the mud and can't see or hear probably. At least you're not on happen. fire. But by the way, you just
2: hear George screaming for help. Step one.
3: Uh, I'm gonna- Benedict's gonna pull himself out of the mud.
1: As you stand up. This one's gonna take a pound at you as you're standing. Alright, fair enough. That's a whiff-tucky. Uh, he goes to do the hammer again, but uh, somehow in your stand you still have beauty and grace and you dodge. (laughs) Thank god.
3: Uh, so, as I'm standing, I open my eyes and I- I see you on fi- I see George on fire. That one there. And you're just both covered in mud. So what's George doing about being on fire, other than screaming?
2: I imagine I'm rolling it writhing
3: on okay, the Okay, but the, the stop dropping and rolling is not helping. Well, I have oil all over me, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to think if there's anything I can do for you. The answer is no. You can piss on him. I don't I don't know if there's any way I can stop you from burning, so I'm just going to try to kill the enemy, and then we'll save you. Once again,
1: lantern, stab. All right, so you shine the light up on it. It shrinks back, except now instead of being over six feet, it's, you know, small and <laughs> Kind of like bullying a child. I'm not against it. That is a 12. Oh, that is indeed a hit. That is a one damage. Whopping one. No plus or oh, you have no strength. I have no strength. <laughs> I'm an old man. You stab into it and you are, you manage to kind of flick its left arm completely oh. off. Getting
4: smoky in here. I smell burning flesh.
1: <laughs> and uh, it is now. That same creature's turn. It is small, it is one armed, it is not feeling it, and it, I'm gonna be honest, it, it tries to bite your taint. Benedict. That's really rude. rude. It bites your taint. <laughs> it <laughs> Unfortunate. Bites, <laughs> it bites clear into your taint. Uh, you feel a sharp pain as jagged, serrated rock teeth bite directly into your gooch. His perineum. For seven damage.
3: Ouch. Oh, I'm
1: not in a good place, but I'm not dead. <laughs> All right, Benedict is taintless. I'm about taintless. Taint injured. <laughs> uh, taint uh, as hair it pulls its teeth back. You you see it chewing on the the remains of your taint.
2: I, I what can I even attempt to do? Stop, drop, and roll. I mean, at, at this point, I'm already rolling. So like, I I'm just gonna get up and and rush towards the first mud man I see. The one that's chewing on Benedict's taint? Yes. All right. I'm just
1: running at it, and I'm gonna try to grab it. It's like picking up a child. Uh, that's a nat 20. Oh, okay. Um, so you grab said mudman. little diminutive. And it is, you know, you can see it chewing on your friend's taint. I'm trying to grapple him. Burn on this. Burn on this. As you bring him closer, it, 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 it you hear the mud begin to sizzle. As it hardens, you're turning it in, in you're, you're like cooking clay in a kiln there. before turning to dust. Rubbing the wet mud man against you has also ceased the flaming. Uh, you do not have eyebrows. Damn it. At least I'm not a burn victim again in this campaign. Two damage, no eyebrows, no pubes. No pubes either?
2: That's man. a shame. George had like a nice carpet going on down there. So there is still the
5: one alive. After seeing what uh, Benedict did with the, the lantern, I'm going to... Take my lantern off my belt and
1: put it on the front of my pitchforks. Alright, you go make that, that attack. attack. Stab, stab that lantern stab in there. i tell boy. you what boy you tell that boy. Oh, that is a nat 20. Nat 20 roll to <laughs> confine. 16. Narrate the details of his gruesome flamey death. Okay,
5: so uh, as I uh, start running at him, pitchfork held aloft, uh, lantern on the front, as he uh, starts to harden, I just take the pitchfork. <laughs>
1: head clean off. Oh, body crumbles to dust. I'm going to give you a trophy for that. Cool. Uh, its head hardens but does not burst. Ooh. Get it as a trophy. Ooh. Wow, fantastic. Before you are even able to take in what in the flubity flarp just happened. You know, kill them boogie boys is one thing. They looked like people. This is a whole other ball game. I'm going to give all of you two inspiration points. With the slaying of the last mud man, the muck that coats the bottom of this room draws back a little bit. Some of it seeps through the cracks in the stone cistern walls, and you see muddy hands, small muddy hands, reaching out all along the walls, but they're very, very small. And you can see in the center of the wet cistern, the crankshaft.
4: I I think I'm just going to grab it, run over and grab that crankshaft. And let's
3: get get the fuck out of here. Benedict starts limping back up the passageway, grumbling.
1: <laughs> Alright, so you enter the wet tunnel, making your way back towards the surface. It, you didn't notice it coming down, but it's much steeper of a walk back up, and you're again in single file, all just trudging along.
2: You know, I've never been on fire before. I, I've been on a lot of things, a lot of drugs, and uh, this day kind of compares to that. What the fuck were those? I don't know. I'm going to call them clay faces because, you know, that's what I can relate them to.
3: You got smacked around. Benedict is pulling out the salve and uh, rubbing it on his taint right now. He's like, I'm working on it. <laughs> I was on fire.
2: Yeah. Does that mean my my suit is just gone now? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Well, man, well, that was no, a it's nice not suit.
1: gone. It's charred beyond recognition. It was
2: such a nice suit and those clay faced bastards. Your wife will buy you a new one. It's true.
1: As you step back up into the entrance room, holding your crankshaft bloodied, bruised, and beaten, you're relieved that you no longer smell, at least as heavily, the wet, damp earth.
2: Yeah, um, what the fuck just happened? I mean, he told us not to go in there. Yeah, we really should not have gone in You know, in fairness. Kind of had to, though. And and we did did go 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 in there, and we had to. Yeah, I'm, I'm more than convinced now that
5: we are definitely not on Earth. We're nowhere
2: near Gary, we're, Indiana. Let
5: alone Gary. We're not on this Earth. Is. Okay,
4: I'm not convinced that we're not just in Ohio, but we're definitely not in Gary.
3: I know, it's mud. It, It's mud. It's more Florida. But let's just go put the crankshaft in and get the hell out of here.
1: <laughs> this room is exactly as you left it. Oh, thank God.
2: But, but be careful.
1: So we head over to those iron bars then? And we crank it. When you shove the the, the crankshaft onto the rod there, it goes in with an. Yeah, you, you got to give it a nice slap or two to fit it on. And uh, this takes some heft to crank. You're gonna you're gonna need somebody who's got some upper body strength.
2: I, I want to redeem myself, so I'm I'm gonna be the cranker on this crank. All right, roll strength. I only got a ten, so I'll, I want to say that like George is going at it with his full strength, you know. And then what just comes out is a.
1: <clears throat> he shit himself. <laughs>
2: He's wearing <laughs> roll, pants now.
1: Roll a constitution.
2: 16.
1: Okay, so you do indeed. Uh, you you have a singular dirt squirt. Okay, just a little streaker. The real question is, is it itchy? Yes, but it's not smelly. With each crank, the bars raise up a little bit higher. Oh shit, just a little more. Once the <laughs> bars have grinded to the very top, you still feel the pushback from the crank. You're aware you're going to have to hold this. Yes.
2: I um I I actually asked for Craw's help at this point. Craw
4: comes over there, starts to starts
5: to help you. While they're doing that, I'm gonna use uh, I pull out my kazoo and play a little, play a little ditty to give uh, some bardic inspiration. Oh, there to, you go, uh,
1: to Craw. I'm gonna give that bardic inspiration to each and every one of you. Uh, as the kazoo notes echo, even for a moment, despite you know Benedict being taintless and George being a Vern victim and Craw and the, just all that you've been through, that that little ditty. You say nice, nice. Do, do I inspire myself as well? No. <laughs> okay.
5: Okay.
2: No, that, that's fair. That's fair. I just to only
5: how
1: I mean, you're the team leader. <laughs> oh, you're the team true. leader, so your job <laughs> is to inspire us. Between the two of you, you can reasonably hold this. You crawl. You feel like you might smell a little something, but oh, uh, you're
2: yeah. not sure. Is it me? I asked crawl. I didn't get him off the subject when he asked that. How's your back feel?
4: Oh, the hip, hip, hip. hip. Probably not could feel good for a few days. Oh, damn,
2: it's
1: a
4: hit. It really hurts. You you should hurry up. It's really This is really hurting my hip, buddy.
1: All right, get in there, Gil. So with uh, the closet door open, you can see it's illuminated in here. The bronze uh, guitar is sitting on a small shelf.
5: Gil's going to walk in. Um, at this point, he's unhooked the uh, the, the lantern from his, from his pitchfork. It's back on his belt. And uh, he's going to pick up the guitar and while he's in there I'm, I say look out for traps I'm gonna,
1: I'm gonna do a do a quick look around to see if I can find the, the mouth harp looking at the shelves in here it's pretty sparse. so you do not see the mouth harp you do see though um a very very like good quality on the shelf belt and it, the belt has a protective buckle uh sim- almost like a gladiator belt right like it goes up to cover your precious organs uh made of nice firm and sturdy leather Ooh,
5: fancy. Grab the belt, grab the guitar and uh, steal him
1: from the dwarf. All right.
5: and <laughs> <laughs> just give it back to his rightful owner. That's all that's all I'm going to do. And, uh Get out of there. Okay.
2: Uh once Gil gets gets through with the guitar and the belt, I say we just let it rip. We step back. Yeah, in in unison even. Yep.
1: As soon as you let it go, the crank unwinds. The iron bars slam into the ground, kind of shaking the floor. I uh I actually A uh, bronze guitar
2: bust. I removed the crank as well. Taking that with us, or I'm going to give it back to the dwarf in case he needs to come in here. Yeah, and we should probably put the guitar back on the statue.
1: So uh, you got the uh, bronze bust of the guitar, Gil. You notice it's pretty light, actually. Uh, and now that you're holding it, you think that this is like a resin bust that has a bronze coat on it. Okay,
4: I was going to say maybe it's just an acoustic.
1: Let's go put that back. Yep, let's get that on that get statue. The hell,
3: well, hopefully, hopefully, we can get the mouth harp from there.
1: You place the bronze guitar in Robert Johnson's hand. No, I'm just gonna pocket it. Yeah, I put it in the, <laughs> put it in the statue. <laughs> uh, when you place it in the statue's hands, the statue grips its hand around the neck. Harder, daddy. And the right hand actually makes a strumming motion. And you all Holy hear shit. the perfect A minor chord. The sound reverberates throughout this entryway. The ground shakes, and in the center of the room, three large stone panels lift up with a clicking noise and slide to the left. Revealing a (laughs) stone staircase leading down into the darkness.
3: He said there was three rooms, and yet here we are on room five. Well, to be fair...
5: (laughs) I think those three rooms don't count the, the cistern. Yeah. We did have to go down there though.
2: But we've only then been in two rooms.
5: I think it's two different areas, technically.
2: You can count the iron bars as the same room. Gail, I I'd say uh I'd say George
4: has been pretty burned and and Benedict's looking pretty uh well it looks like he'll be better in a few days. We we we've been through Texas here.
2: Yeehaw. I think you
4: and I should probably
2: lead uh, heading down there. We're going down with you.
5: Gil, uh, Gil, you
2: know, pats himself on the shoulder, winces a little bit. That's what a leader does. We all pat him on the shoulder.
1: Down the stone steps. These steps do not go down very long, very far at all. You go down maybe about five feet, and you feel like you're in a crawl space. You can't fully stand up here. Crawl space? And in this crawl space, you can see there is a small pillow with a harmonica on it. This harmonica looks old and rusted. As soon as you look at it, that same trill of uh, those notes ring out. And the harmonica vibrates. And coming out of its reeds, you see five single rings. ...pop out and land on the front of the pillow. Wait a second. That's what we were looking for? I guess? Yes, that's a mouth harp.
3: Also known as a harmonica.
4: I was thinking the smaller one, the little... uh, The what now? You know, I actually actually don't know what it's called. A Jew harp? Whatever it's called. I I
2: genuinely don't know. Did you say a what now? A what harp? Yeah, a Jew harp. Interesting. Yeah.
3: Rock and Roll for Initiative is a lovingly made D&D podcast by Zach, Nathan, Andy, Biggs, Roger, and Tyler, a group of lifelong friends who really just enjoy playing D&D. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Rock and Roll for Initiative and invite you to check out our Patreon, Facebook, or TikTok pages for weekly updates, clips, playlists, and more. Visit our website at rr4initiative.com. That's rr4initiative.com. Be sure to check back for
1: new episodes every other Wednesday. We'd like to give a special shout out and a serious thank you to our newest Patreon members Grix Teague, Nath Ridge, Spooky Grook, Snow, Simp for Gooseberries, and Frost. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We can't wait to interact with you more!
4: Music creation, production and editing by Roger, episode production and editing by the team here at Rock and Roll for Initiative. Certain sound effects and extra clips acquired under the Creative Commons license, necessary credits when applicable, are available on our website. The story, all names, characters, and incidents portrayed in this production are fictitious. No identification with actual persons, living, or deceased places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This product is a piece of fictional entertainment media and should not be understood to have any legal backing.
0: Rock and Roll for Initiative.